I'm Raina. And I'm Nikki. We're talking about how to heal yourself by tuning into your intuition. And we'll get you there with some humor and sage advice. We're here to help you discover that the answers you need are already inside of you if you just shut up and listen. Thank you for tuning in to episode 002, Just Shut Up and Listen. We are here with Chef Scott. We're super excited. And we want to send out a huge shout out to Carl Raw Ross at Understand Health for being our podcast producer. Producer. We have a producer. We do have a producer. Thank you, Carl. Yes, because we are no no longer little banjo basement girls. We have a microphone now and a producer. Yeah, I know. It's real. It's very real. It's a real thing. Yeah. So let's dive right in. We want to talk to Scott about reconnecting with food. So what's your angle, your take on that, that you want to dig into? Um, I was really excited that Scott was joining us because I myself struggle with um, being excited about food. I do choose very healthy lifestyle and now I'm at that point where it's just I'm eating it because it's good for me and I don't love it and I don't get excited about my food and I literally sit on my couch like a grumpy little hermit and shove my broccoli down my neck and because it's good for me and I want to get excited about food again and I don't want to be looking at like the yummy things like such an angry beast. I want to be happy with my lifestyle choices and reconnecting to the things and um, beyond that I love the feeling I get when I do connect to the people who I'm getting mm-hmm. my food from because there is a certain joy in right. that and I want I like that joy so um, I need that re-inspiration which is why in, we invited Scott because he inspires us and we knew he would inspire you guys as listeners yeah you're oh, so gosh. you're so passionate like first before you get into what Nikki asked I want I want to hear your story of how you got to be so passionate about food. Because I always say to Nikki, like, every time I hang out with Scott and then I leave, it's just, like, Scott's juicy excitement about food has, like, melted into my bones. And I know, like, as a chef, that's what you want, right? But, like, you actually do do that. So explain how you got there. Cool. I like food. Food likes me. I was born in food. My grandma was probably my earliest memory on this planet is crawling underneath grandma's butcher block cutting board and having her chop, chop, chop her vegetables, hearing that tap, tap, tap on the counter above me. Um, I hung out a lot with grandma when I was growing up in her garden, in her kitchen, and her passion for food really rubbed off on me. And now I just like to share that with everybody. So as I've come up in the industry, cooking food, sharing food, it's gotten increasingly better. Mm. My, my chops are a little more honed now than they were many moons ago. And, and your I mustache. Just, and the mustache. <laughs> Maybe it's not me that loves food and has the food passion. Maybe my mustache loves food. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It has a personality of its own. Does it store for later? It's the flavor saver. My <laughs> 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 mustache has grown me into a chef. And Perfect. that's what I do now. And I love to uh, get people mm-hmm. excited in the same way that I'm excited about food. And not just in the way that something tastes, but where it came from and even what it looks like. I got these mushrooms over at the shop today, down at one big table, and they were absolutely fantastic. These little oyster mushrooms, king oyster mushrooms, with caps that look like quail's eggs, Mm. with these fat little stems, and they're just so juicy and full, and I just wanted to hold them and take them home with me and make them my pet, but instead I cut them up and gave them to somebody for lunch. (laughs) You fed them away. That was equally as satisfying. You're either my pet or I'm gonna cut you up. Yes, I do eat meat. So uh, Scott is the creative director over at One Big Table. So we're, that's we're you know that's One Big Table is like that's our movement. Like they connect people to food. That's what they do. It's that local food scene. We yes. say One Big Table is a business, but 
foremost for myself anyway, Wimby Table is a project. Mm -hmm. We're trying to reconnect people with their food at their dinner plates. We're trying to reconnect people with their food in this awesome foodie valley we live in in the Okanagan, get people to connect with their farmers, meet the people who are actually producing your food, have that conversation, change the dialogue around local and organic, mm -hmm. and get people hyped to cook things that they've maybe never seen before, like black garlic or celery root, really weird mm -hmm. flavors, weird things, yeah. and get people stoked about having good food on their yeah. dinner and, table. And doing something different, right? Because like yeah. you said, it's easy to get caught up in just like, oh, I'm yeah. eating broccoli again. Like, And yeah. that's what I do. Like everyone has their defaults they fall yeah. back on. Yeah. But when it gets to the point where you're always eating your defaults, yeah. like, okay, now I'm yeah. losing inspiration and I just don't even care anymore. Yeah, I don't even care anymore. And the other thing too, from like a, a planning perspective is um, I do choose to live quite sustainably. And I find a lot of the time when I'm like online, because I do have to, I'm a recipe seeker because I find I can't really get, I feel I can't get creative on my own, which I know that's just a are dig you, in. And, are you and, a Pinterest girl? No. Okay. No. Um, but I find I'll look at the recipe and be like, I'm not going to a grocery store to find all these weird yes. things. But when I go into a place, um, trying to create a meal from what's available mm -hmm. is a huge challenge for me because I'm looking at the yummy mushroom, the yummy thing, the yummy thing. I'm like, I, all this is yummy, but I don't know how to put, it, put it together, together. Yeah. to make it into something yummy. So then I'll literally eat the mushrooms, eat the root thing, and I'm like, this was not happy, <laughs> but I'm happy with where it came from. You know what I mean? It's that shopping to what's available versus shopping to what the recipe's telling you to get. Right. And that's for me, I think, a lot of us are kind of like um, step one, step two equals product, mm -hmm. like food, and um, kind of changing that whole mindset of, oh, I need a pomegranate. Well, we're in Canada. Yeah. And it's, in you know. February, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're like, there's not really going to be pomegranates that mm -hmm. are delicious, and it's not really sustainable to be eating mm -hmm. them anyways. Yeah, so that's a health thing. As beautiful as they are. beautiful as they are. beautiful as they are. Yeah. But sometimes you just, maybe you're biting off too much. Maybe when you show up to the grocery store, rather than looking at all of these things to make a black box like some random cooking show on the shelves of the grocery store, you just pick one ingredient. One ingredient that's super funky you've never seen before, like celery root or Buddha's hand. Have you ever seen these Buddha's hands before? I'm sorry, what? It's like an octopus <laughs> and a lemon had a baby. What? And there's actually no real fruit inside of it. It's just all pith and tentacles. Of what? It's a lemon thing. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It tastes super it's funky. A lemon thing. It makes good cocktails. Okay. Oh, now <laughs> you're that, talking like, my language. One inspiring thing. You take it home, and then mm -hmm. maybe then you start your Google search, and you're like, right. "What am I going to do with this crazy ingredient?" Mm -hmm. You take a couple of things, and then you add that into your normal repertoire. So mm -hmm. if you're always the type to rock a, a bowl or the basic the basic pasta or the the right. trough. The trough. Whatever, whatever the comes. trough. The trough. Yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and that's the mix. Yeah. I like that. So just, just one thing at a time. And I think that, you know, that kind of fits in with our thing too. Like, you can't, you can't do it all. No. You're not going to like become a chef overnight oh and my totally God. overhaul your pantry yeah. and have all these new things. Yeah. Like, and really, I don't have time for that no like, I, and I don't it's want not to. that I don't like in my head I'm like oh my god that'd be so great if I could make all this delicious food for my friends and then when Reality. I actually go there I'm like yeah no I don't care mm -hmm. like I really mm -hmm. don't care like friends like, are getting broccoli yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like how would I take you to my friend Scott yeah <laughs> yes yes yeah. yeah and I wish I could say that I was able to cook all of those things that I now cook 
now, mm -hmm. but I was in the very same situation you were. When I first moved out, I had no culinary experience besides grandma's kitchen. Mm -hmm. I had some of this like culinary intuition and knowing what food tastes good, but didn't really know what to do with it. Some of the first stir fries I made were just absolute piles of garbage. I mean, <laughs> overcooked and soggy with like a weird ketchup-y sweet and sour sauce. I'd eat it. One thing at a time. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Eventually, I learned how to cook root vegetables properly. And then I learned how to make the miso gravy. And then you make Ooh. the poutine. You don't okay. just jump into it first thing and you're like, I'm going to make this wonderful root vegetable poutine with miso gravy and vegan cheese and all these pickled ferments and goodness. No, it's Le like you one learn the fundamental time. first. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentals. Yeah. One ingredient and then it grows in the next and grows in the next. I just made cassoulet for the first time a couple weeks ago, and it was delicious. I don't even I'm know not what that lie, is. It's I, like this like French that. white bean dish, and you just cook beans for a long time. You're supposed to use pork, but I, <laughs> I just wish we could like box up broth. what Scott's doing with his body <laughs> language really and good. send it through the audio. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. It was good. So let's talk a little bit more about how we can get people inspired to get back in the kitchen, because I know we we me and Nikki have talked a lot about. You know, like being uh, busy, entrepreneurs, Nikki's a mom, like people don't have time. It's not the 50s anymore. People are not spending all day preparing, you know, roasts and vegetables in the kitchen. So how do we, other than making time for it, because no one has time. You have to make it. You have to mm -hmm. make it a priority. But how, how do you, like, what would you say to someone for like, Scott, how do I get excited to be back in the kitchen? Back in the kitchen totally has that 50s vibe to it, it though. Does. You don't have to get back in the kitchen. I understand we all have very busy lives. Nobody has time for a full-time from scratch meal every day or three meals a day. That's just Gosh, not realistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But maybe instead of being straight domesticated, we just need to reconnect. You can be mindful with your smoothie from down the street or you can be mindful with your takeout poutine. To be more connected with your food doesn't even necessarily mean you have to take it home with you every time. Although I'd recommend that people do get a little bit cozy in their kitchen, have a little dance, pour yourself a glass of wine, crank up the good jams and make that the space that you want to be so that you want to create something and then the inspiration can flow. But it doesn't always have to be that way. You can have that private little moment with a chocolate bar on your break and really like be mindful with that bite and think mm. about where that came from and how it was grown. Who touched that before it got mm -hmm. to you? People put their love into that food and then you got to enjoy it yourself and it's nourishing not just your your body and those calories and macronutrients that you need, but you get a little bit of energy, a little bit of love feeds your soul. Something as basic as a chocolate bar. That's where's the nutrition in a chocolate bar, Scott? Well, it doesn't have to feed your body, it can feed your heart. Mm -hmm. And so to sit there and like be blissfully mindful in that moment with something as basic as a chocolate bar or a, or a bowl of fries, whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be that healthiest thing as long as you're connected with that moment. Put down your phone. Don't yeah. scroll Instagram while you're, you're scarfing your food. You're not eating pictures. Not you need to eat your yes. food. And we're going to talk more about that later. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's so important because, I mean, we talk about that, um, about beauty too, is putting when you're putting the makeup on and saying something bad about yourself while you're putting it mm -hmm. on, it kind of negates the point of the makeup. Mm -hmm. It's you're like, um, I'm putting this on to cover up how ugly I am. Uh, look at this flaw. I need to change this. And it's, it's the same with your food. If you're eating the food and going, oh, this is going to make me gain yes. weight. It's full of this crap. Mm -hmm. If you just like um, surrender to the moment and eat it because it makes you happy and just be happy... That's telling your body, 
it's okay to be happy with this so your body won't like be weird with it and that's yeah. and then that's the leads into the conversation of your nervous system and mindfulness and how that ties in with digestion that's train some that bliss around your food with people mm-hmm. on. yes mm-hmm. find that bliss in the moment in that in that chocolate bar whatever we talked about before but then as you start to find your bliss in the food and you start to feel good and more mindful and more connected, it necessarily translates to now you just feel a little bit more connected with your food. Now you want to take it home with you. Now you want to create something in your kitchen. You want to massage that kale. You want to try making a loaf of bread. You want to do something out of the ordinary with an ingredient that you didn't recognize before because now food kind of gets you in the heart now. It's not just some food that you found on a shelf. It's, it means something a little more. You start asking those deeper questions of who grew this? Or what, what was the farmer actually paid when they received it? What's, what is, how is this going to nourish me? How can I prepare it to make it absolutely delicious? Asking these little questions is just like a fun little mental exercise. At the end of the day, you just want it to taste good. So find something that you know and is somewhat familiar to you. It's and just allowing just, yourself to get curious yeah. instead of, yeah. Have fun with it. pressure. I think that's a big part of it. It's a huge part pressure. of it. The pressure, yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, with it, too, is a lot of people, I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody's circles, but within my circles, the only time they really dive into the kitchen is when they're ready to entertain. Right. And now they have no kind of uh, toolbox of how to cook. Right. And they're, like, diving into the internet, and they're they're expecting their friends, their nears, their dears coming over, and now they can't even enjoy the experience of spending time with their friends because they're freaking out because they've mm-hmm. bitten off way, way more than they can chew in the food preparing mm-hmm. portion. And uh, because they want to share food with their friends, um, I have a history of doing that. So now I just I don't. Um, but you, I, so you're investing all your energy in the prep, and then you don't actually get to enjoy the end yeah, result yeah. because you're so frazzled from so frazzled. Yeah, yeah. And Everybody wants to cook, though. Make yeah. your friends come over an hour early and put them to work. Yeah. Everybody cooks a dinner party. Don't put all that work on you. Yeah. Make That's it a an potluck. amazing idea. I yeah, love potlucks it. are the best. Potlucks are so fun. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah. Overdue for a potluck. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, bring back the potluck. <laughs> or maybe leave Revival. behind the tater tot casseroles with the melted cheese on top. Although, Classic. Hey, that's a thing man. too. Classic. Oh, tater tots though. Tater tots. You see this, this uh, what's it, the, some company, no names, is making healthy tater tots now. They're oh. made with sweet potatoes. Oh, okay. They are, they are a tot of sorts, but <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're going to go tater, like give me my deep fry. That's, that's just it. If you're going to do it. Just do it. do it and enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, in, yeah. enjoy right? the heck. If you're not going to enjoy it, don't even bother. No, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to have like guilt and weirdness, yeah, don't. Don't. No. Okay. Eat the damn broccoli. Eat the. Da- <laughs> That's a t-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We should definitely have some t-shirts of that. I've got a t-shirt at home actually. It's got a punk ass broccoli with big muscles <laughs> and tattoos on what? it, and it says, "Maybe broccoli hates you too." <laughs> It's That's pretty badass. Epic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. So, okay, so if you're talking about uh, beauty, mm-hmm. do you like take us a little bit through the process of when someone's in your chair getting a makeup consultation and, and how are you pulling food into how you work with your clients? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, you know, and there's so many people that would debate this, but. Science is coming through and there is like, it's getting to the point. Yeah. There's no, um, it's almost going to be undeniable soon that what goes in directly has play on what's going on with your skin. And uh, they're dialing down from food sensitivities to Mm -hmm. so many things reflect in how your skin looks. And 
that's part of the dialogue for holistic beauty. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to bring it up again. Why? Because it's my classic topic. Very relevant question. How are your bowels moving? Mm -hmm. You're not eating enough fiber. You're not going to have enough poos. And guess what? It's going to reflect in your skin. And in different ways. Different people reflect these things differently. Mm -hmm. And um, what we're putting in is so relevant to every aspect of health. It's the beginnings of everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After I just talked about eating chocolate and fried And that's okay too. (laughs) I eat those things. Yeah, yeah. And they're those little celebratory moments, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to my mom's house at Christmas and she's going to have her cookies and tarts. Yeah. Cookies and tarts are tradition in my family. I look There's forward to it. Yeah. I will be completely honest, since I've gone clean lifestyle, they don't taste as good as they used to because right. they have a lot of things in them that now my body's like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, your taste buds are uh, But that bought. moment of mm-hmm. it, it's like childhood comes mm-hmm. up, memories come up, and there's all these beautiful things that are happening to me mentally and emotionally and spiritually that that's a fucking amazing tart. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing cookie. And I'm not going to take that away from myself because it has sugar in it. Right. You know, like yeah. whatever. It's That's the emotional part of food, yeah, the traditions totally, totally. and the, the memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Scott, tell me how you – I know we met at the School of Natural Nutrition. I was your instructor. That's how we first met. Then – you went on to, now had you already had your catering business for a while or you incorporated the two at that time? I think I did. I had a different name. I was working for a few families, doing private gigs here and there. I think mm-hmm. I called myself Nourished. The Nourished Chef. The is Nourished what it Chef. Was I remember that. Mm-hmm. I had, like, I've had many identity crises as a it business. It happens. I think it's just this desire to always recreate and reinvent mm-hmm. and push for the next thing. So now I'm, now I'm Edible Wellness. And so that's that's something a little bit different, yeah. but it's it's the same vein. I'm, I provide food to you in your home. I will cater to your party. I will serve up some magic. The cool thing about edible wellness, in in difference from what I do at One Big Table, edible wellness is all about that holistic side to it. Mm-hmm. I'm easily can work with different diets with my education from CSNN. So whether you're vegan or gluten free, ketogenic, you can't have this. You can't have this uncle can't have fish and somebody Mm -hmm. needs to have raspberries I can puzzle a beautiful menu together to accommodate everybody and still make it look absolutely beautiful and hit all those points on taste that's a crazy skill it's a crazy skill Mm -hmm. and it's definitely the reason why we lean on Scott for our parties at the Green Vanity because when you want to entertain people because at the Green Vanity we have people who are anything from uh, we have a lot of vegans obviously because we're um Mm-hmm. We support vegans in our, our space with, with beauty products. And it's a lot of people who are uh, celiac and gluten intolerant, uh, autoimmune. We have a lot of people who are like, they're unwell, mm-hmm. which is what's turned them on to non-toxic beauty. So when you're trying to cater a party for that many people with that many needs and you want healthy, delicious, sexy food because... Yeah, you can't serve tater tots. No, no. there's no tater tots. <laughs> and I, I love that ability to have healthy Mm-hmm. nourishing and sexy and super delicious and sexy yeah yes. it needs to be food mm-hmm. is so much better when it's sexy mm-hmm. yeah it's a fun you little you do puzzle. that very well there's so many people with different dietary restrictions out there these days mm-hmm. any party you go to you're going to find somebody who has something they cannot eat totally um, I love that little puzzle it's fun to be able to strategize what can satisfy everybody's needs and still be fun it's it's nice having having done food for so long to be able to have enough tools in my belt to say, hey, I've got a, I've got a great gluten-free tweak for this mm. or a, a paleo tweak for that, whatever it may be, to, to nail everybody's dietary restrictions in one place and still have everybody come out very excited. I, I really do love feeding 
carnivores, vegan food, and having them absolutely thrilled and not miss the meat mm-hmm. because it's not it's not necessary at every meal. It definitely definitely isn't. Even for those who do eat meat, it we just eat way too much of it as a culture. Can that's you, a whole other story. That's a whole it, it really other is. yeah. That's really a podcast is. to come. Yeah. So, can you can you talk a little bit about your opinion on? Uh, you know, there's all of these new businesses coming out where people are doing meals delivered to people's doors because they don't have time to cook. It sort of ties in with reconnecting with your food. I know it's it's a great business. It's a super cool concept. It's a great concept. I like the idea of getting people more cooking at home and it kind of provides them all the ingredients Mm -hmm. in their little individually wrapped packages so nothing's wasted except for all of that excess packaging. Right. So as a concept to cook more at home is great but a Mm -hmm. lot of extra packaging. But it provides a great service to many people who just don't know how to cook. Mm-hmm. There was some generation gap in there. I don't know what happened, but no one grandparents knows. taught the parents, and the parents just kind of forgot to teach us. Um, maybe we all just moved to more of a drive-through society, but I have some clients that I cook for that eat out of a drive-through three meals a day sometimes. Yes. And will cook maybe yes, like twice that. a week they're cooking for themselves at home. And often it's as simple as... I don't know, deli meat and cheese rolled mm-hmm. into a little pinwheel and that's lunch. Which, don't get me wrong, if that's the way you roll, that's all good too. Yep. Find, find what works for you mm-hmm. in your time schedule as long as you're staying connected to that food and that. Mm-hmm. But we've become so disconnected from food that we don't, we don't have any of that food intuition and many of us don't even have that food passion to bring us into a kitchen. Why would you want to spend eight hours slaving over the stove when you could just go pick that out of um, a drive-thru or have it delivered to you through uh, a meal prep company, or now we've got, what do we call it, like skip the dishes if we're right, plug-in companies on a lake. It's like, it's, uh, it's drive-through delivery service, which saves a lot of time. And if, if it provides you the opportunity to connect with a bite that's in front of you, connect with your family because you haven't pissed away so many hours in the kitchen, then that's, sure. that's good, it's doing that service. But I would still have to see people simplify things so they don't have to struggle so hard to make a five-course dinner for their family. Yeah, it's not a Thursday night is not a five-course dinner. Even it's a, a Sunday big balancing night. act. I mean, you have a family. How the hell do you do it? We eat simply. We eat like bowls. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's all of our secret. Hey, mm. we just gave you all a secret. Mm. We all eat so simply. So simply. Yes. Yeah, Raina's got that's a blog on the trough. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing. I eat my troughs. Yeah, just and literally veggies, nooch, sauces, bam, done. Yeah, whatever, Steamed like some r- ricey things, quinoa yeah. things, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's kicking in the fridge. Whatever's kicking in the fridge, yeah. and rarely the stove gets turned on because my truth is, uh, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, steamer, countertop steamer, rice cooker, mm-hmm. life. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Some, and then you have a lot of uh, smoothies. Yeah. Naked cafe when you didn't get time to. Yeah. It's all a balancing act. It's all a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the bowl. It's just like a natural expression of whatever's in your fridge. It's totally. easy. Yeah. It's the things you love already. That's how they made it yeah. in your fridge. And then you're like, huh, what's in the dry cupboard? Oh, we got some nuts. We got some whatever to start throwing throw things, things in there in. for texture and crunch. <laughs> it's funny. When we put that on the menu the first time at One Big Table, I was like, are people going to actually buy this? This is like my poor man's dinner that I have five nights a week because I'm too lazy to cook. Are they going to actually like pay money for this? And, and they, they love it. <laughs> of course. Because I think, in a way, not only do we have all the good flavors at OBT all in one bowl, mm-hmm. but it kind of empowers them that, hey, you can go home and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this thing on Wednesday nights at the shop right now where I'm, I'm, I'm cooking the menu, I guess. This is my next series. We did uh, Food for Thoughts, and we just talked about food in different ways on Wednesday nights. And now we're doing it on Wednesday nights, and we're cooking the menu. And so when we do this bowl thing, we're going to talk about like all this magic that's in the bowl. You want to learn how to roast your vegetables, make it in the bowl. You want to mm. do a little sauce, get it in the bowl. 
how to make magic out of whatever's in your fridge so that you can enjoy this trough and put a little beautiful label on it, organize things in a colorful way. And now it's like, it's like a little sexy dinner bowl instead of just, uh, instead of just the trough. But at the end of the day, it is the trough. Yes. It doesn't yes. take any longer to prepare. It's just uh, has a little bit of finesse at the, at the end. And it, yeah. it's like goes from zero to hero so quickly. Yeah. When mine's that. literally just piled in yes. the trough. And then for me, it's just like, I've prepared food. And that's like, that's it. It's not like, I, I can't wait I to eat this. Yeah. I food. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us something really cool that you talked about in the Food for Thought series? Is there, was there like a couple? I know you throw gems all day to Oh, there's some good people, ones. But... I don't know. We talked about like mental wellness. We mm-hmm. talked about eating seasonally. Last week, though, we talked about love, love and food. And that was, I think, my most favorite. We had a pretty low attendance. It was the night before Valentine's Day. So I understand uh, people had dates and places right. to be. But we talked about food and love and more more than just like love and kisses and love and hearts, but like love and that connection to your food mm-hmm. and loving yourself in your food and taking the time to invest in your food supply. Spend the extra three bucks on the organic carrots because they're going to treat you better. They're going to taste better. You deserve to invest that money in yourself. But also thinking about the love that went into the food that you eat and thinking about the farmers that touched it and the chefs that created it or the grandmother's recipes behind where that was coming from. Be more mindful as you sit down and enjoy that bite. Think about the love and that conscious eating. It was, uh, it was just beautiful. I think love is, love is an ingredient in your food. I think we, we talk about love in this really flippant sort of way and we just, we don't understand it. We, we talk about, I mean, Inuit cultures have over, what is it, 40 different words for snow something that we have one simple word for. Mm-hmm. Then we have love, and we know that that's jam-packed with so much meaning, but we still just call it love. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt in the next decade we're going to open up the metaphysics around that, and science will prove this tangible emotion of love and how we can infuse our lives with it, whether we're putting it in our food, sharing it with each other, this energy exchange. We talked in that in that little workshop about how the food we eat now is really like the void of love. It's made in a factory, it's harvested by machines to be ground up into a dust, to be assembled on an assembly line and wrapped in plastic and sit in a cardboard box on a shelf for who knows how long before it gets to you. Where was the love in that? It's not necessarily that Wonder Bread has less nutrition, but that there is absolutely no hands that ever touch that. When you look at an artisan loaf that's been kneaded by hand, there's that kinetic energy infusing love with every smush and creation there. The same way that I make my sauerkraut. As I massage my sauerkraut, I'm never going to do that on a day that I'm having a shitty day mm-hmm. or I'm feeling sick or I'm feeling down. I want to infuse that with good spirit. So I'll turn on the funk music, I'll get a little wiggle in my step, yeah, and then that's when you start up. massaging. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to massage that energy into mm-hmm. my food. And if I massage negative energy into my food, you're going to taste it. If I massage love into my food, you're going to be like, holy shit, why is this taste so good? Like well, your that's borscht just today. Love. That's I love. love. I love talking about energy and food. I think it's fascinating because I remember doing a workshop once and talking to people about like, can't you feel the diff? Like, can you feel the energy of the difference between like a bag of Doritos and like an apple? Like, they feel different. You don't even have to touch them or eat them. It's just looking at them, right? Love's a real thing. I'm I'm wondering if you should write a book on forty ways to say how you how much you love food. Forty different ways. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it might get a little bit. Might get a little bit delicious, might get a little bit freaky. <laughs> oh, sweet. That's our next topic. I want to talk about food porn. This is a concept that was introduced to me. I can't remember if it was both of you at the same time. 
Maybe. Did we three-way that, maybe? Maybe. Someone oh. Anyway, someone, <laughs> someone dropped it, and I was like, what? I've never heard of this concept. And then you explained it to me really quickly, and I was blown away because it, 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 it put a lot of pieces of the puzzle about, you know, problems with food that we are experiencing today in our social media world. So, let's have at her. Scott, take first round. First round on food porn. Okay, so yeah. food porn is not like, like this porn, another really loaded word here. We're talking about like this voyeurism. Food porn is not hot apple pies and 10-inch cucumbers. Food porn is this, this way that you, you satisfy a desire for something without actually ever having that something. So food porn is, is Instagram pictures, is mm. scrolling your phone and you see this beautiful food and it's not yours, but you ogle over it and maybe it piques your appetite a little bit. Or you have the food network and you may turn that on to kind of get your appetite flowing, but it's not going to nourish you in the same way. You might be sitting there stuffing your face full of the bag of potato chips or this food that isn't so great. Or frankly, maybe it even is great. So often, many of us, breakfast time especially, you've got this delicious warm bowl of whatever you've made yourself for breakfast and you're just distracted by your phone. You're mm -hmm. not eating your food, you're eating your phone. You're kind of stuck in this, this fake world, this Instagram reality that's feeding... It's not feeding you. It's just it's just junk food. It's just it's just food porn. You gotta so have just a getting relationship. Off on, yeah. You're just getting off on yeah. random stuff that's not. It's, it's not, not your. It's not your you. reality. Yeah. 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 We're all kind of we're all kind of smiling right now because yeah. this is a little bit you know it's out there but we we want to get real with people here. Yeah. I'm just I'm just writing down that quote that you said. You're not eating food. You're eating your phone. Yeah. yeah. Don't eat that your phone. Don't eat your phone. That's another T-shirt. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> um. What I really appreciated about it when I started hearing about this sort of use of words is A, the porn word immediately when you hear that, you, like for me, my body just kind of recoils a bit. Like, because yes. um, from my, my age group, mid 40s, um, that's an uncomfortable word. That's yes. a taboo word. And to hear it applied to food, but then when I'm learning what the kind of the practice and concept behind it is, I'm like, oh my God, I've totally done that. Right. And then I'm like, and I've done that with exercise. Right. Uh -oh. And what I've else done that <laughs> with, and I'm like, so I will sit and spend 40 minutes cruising a hashtag mm -hmm. about all these other people and their success stories and their fit bods right. and their whole thing, but I didn't exercise. But I'm feeling accomplished in a sense of completion. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But I never did anything. So a little and, bit satisfied, but not really? But not. And then later... The guilt, shame, and regret. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, what's happening right now? <laughs> but then the next day, it's like, oh, this hashtag again. Right. Because I relate to this hashtag yes. because it's something I aspire and am inspired to do, which is what's so great about social media, is because you can find great inspiration on it. True. But when you're living through that, but not actually becoming, later you start feeling the weird feels. And it's if not... If you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. Because you're yeah. still getting that dopamine hit, which yes. is social media's it's whole thing. It's so real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, what I loved about that whole topic was it started with food. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, whoa, this applies to so much other things for overall wellness, how we're so disconnected to our time, what we're doing, and how mm -hmm. we're finding completion through things we're not even doing because um, our, we're mentally satisfying ourselves in a non-real way. 
And we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses at the end of the day. You're yeah. watching somebody else do it and you're trying to be that other person or holding them as this high ideal of my food's got to look like the chef on Instagram or my skin has to be as clear as mm -hmm. that model on the page. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's your story. And if you take those things as inspiration, which I think that that was hopefully what they're intended for, mm -hmm. then it's spurring you on to something. But if all it's doing is satisfying that dopamine fix, you saw somebody else clean their house on Netflix today on this new house cleaning reality TV show. Like, yeah. Really? And so that you don't have to clean your own house? Is that what that's doing at the end of the day? You got your fix so Maybe. you can feel a little bit better that your house isn't that dirty well, yeah, so you don't need to work on yourself. Bad, so it's okay. I think as long as you're taking it as inspiration to push mm -hmm. you into something new, that's that's great. You're learning yeah, healthy. new new techniques in the kitchen. If yeah. it's inspiring new ways new ways to play, then these are the ways that I guess food porn could be beneficial. But Well, this if, is a good spin on it. How could it be positive? It's taking a, it's, I don't know, it's taking a, a false reality and making well, all this. all of internet is a false reality. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Right? right? Like it's, it's, yeah. I remember learning that. Uh, someone said that to me when I was studying nutrition in uh, Vancouver. One of, one of my instructors said that. She was like, when you, when you're online, you have your, creating a relationship with something that's not real. Everything that you do online, which really blew my mind. But it's true. I guess I should stop, you know, spending time looking at Jimi Hendrix hashtags. I didn't even know you could scroll for hashtags. Oh, that's a slippery slope. And then slope. when I discovered that, I was like, you mean I could like just keep scrolling Jimi Hendrix photos? All day And Jim Morrison long. and, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Scott, that's another Scott's kind of fix really right hard. there. You yeah. get Jimmy fix. Yeah. Well, I need my Jimmy fix, man. And so, hey, that's that's just it, though. Is like, so food food can be porn, food porn, whatever you want to call it. Maybe it's not the worst thing. Maybe sometimes you just need that little fix. Maybe you've had a trough all week and you just need to watch some beautiful food on the internet, hopefully not while you're eating food. Right. But you're going to take a little inspiration from that. Maybe it's going to give you a little escape for a minute. Then you're going to go right back and you're going to take some of those inspiring things to perk up your, your love life in the kitchen. Love it. Also, I think that's a really good tip is to tell people that if you're going to do, if you're going to get off on the food porn, do it, but don't eat it. Don't do it while you're eating. Yeah. Because that's when you're not, the whole point of it is to inspire food, right? But if you're moving your energy and your attention away from food to look at that, then all of a sudden you've, you know, overeaten or maybe ate the wrong thing and it, oh, well, you're just not being conscious in that moment. It's all about getting conscious. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. Chocolate bars. Chocolate bars. I'm thinking about that now. Yeah. Okay. Use it as inspiration for the next thing. Yeah. So tell us, um, what's your, what is your, I know I've, I love watching you at One Big. I love watching the way that chefs move through the kitchen. That's like, you know when, have you ever watched an artist paint? Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, they just, they're so fluid. They're like in their scene yeah you know? they're totally in their zone it's yeah. my favorite thing to watch so i love watching you at one big move through the kitchen what's your favorite part about being a chef like out of all of it you know it, you have it's to just pick that one thing it's that dance it's the that dance. ability yeah. to at this point in my career i have enough kind of recipes in the back of my mind that i have the ability to create something that i imagine that's a beautiful thing about being a chef mm -hmm. is to be able to imagine a dish the cassoulet that i created those those white beans and having never tasted it, but I've read a lot of recipes, know what it should taste like, my nose has an imagination to be able to follow that, that's super cool. But at the end of the day, it's that dance in the kitchen. 
It's being able to move gracefully with intention between one dish and the other. Little spin moves, little finesse with a knife skill. But honestly, my most favorite thing is garnishing a soup. Mm. And it sounds super simple, but it's when you get all up and close and personal with your food. When I right. garnish a soup, I'm not just like going just for the long dunk shot from afar right. and slopping something on top of there. You got to get all up close and cozy, like you two like, inches away from it. Like your face is right in there. You're all bent over your soup. <laughs> you got the oil and you're doing this like little drizzle. If you, you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm getting a little drizzle face going here. Like you got to get like up close there. There's this amazing poem by a Khalil Gibran, um, the, the, wrote the prophet. He wrote this poem called On Work. And in one of these parts of it, he talks about infusing your spirit into everything that you do. And if you're going to build a house, build it as if it was for your most beloved. If you're going to make a meal, make it as if it was for your most beloved. Mm. And when I create a dish, anytime, I had a chef once who said, make this for the person you care most about. For me, it was my dearest grandma. So when I'm making a meal, it's like if, if that wouldn't be good enough for her, it wouldn't be good enough for anybody. I told one of my, my junior chefs about that one time and he said, I can't think of anybody who I would be super stoked to cook for. I'm well, what about, oh. like, do you have any rock stars that came mm -hmm. in? He's like, oh, Natalie Portman. Oh. I'm like, well, now every dish that comes out of this kitchen, you make that like it's for Natalie. It's for Natalie. <laughs> and every dish after that, the kid was so inspired. And it's like, you got to get up in there. you got to yes. make sure that the plate is clean and you got those, like, little details, that little finesse. When you cut your sandwich, you cut it right in half, you give it a little, little diagonal cut, and you're going to sit it on top of each other. So those little movements, those little details that I like, that's, that's my little dance in the kitchen. And that's me infusing my spirit into what I do. And so when people try my food and they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, I like it. Um, what's your secret? It's like, well, Look. secret number one, yeah, there's, I work with really killer killer ingredients, right? right? So you take the best ingredients, just don't fuck them up. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the mantra of a chef. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's, it's that love is my secret ingredient. I, I care about it. I want to infuse it with something more. I cared about you as I was creating it enough to put my spirit into this food to feed you that, to feed your heart, to feed your soul more than just the ingredients on the plate. It gives that little je ne sais quoi is the love. And that's what I bring in. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> and I want a grilled cheese because you're talking about cutting things diagonally and that oh, was always God, a thing. Grilled cheese. Right? That's always a thing. Any other food things we should, like we got Chef Scott here, man. We got time with him. Like, I know. It's like, and it's just, it's just, can it's we been leave here and go get food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Um, I'm really curious to learn more about like when you say food intuition. Mm. Like from an intuitive perspective, um, I really do believe all of us have access to that. And um, like with what I'm doing here at um, from the holistic beauty perspective, it's dialing in for people for the understanding the products they're using and the practices behind mm -hmm. it and to tune into what feels good for them. And, but when you use that word intuitive attached to food, immediately I'm like, I don't have food intuition. Where obviously I do have food intuition. Any suggestions on tapping in? I think you just got to find the seat of your intuition. And we, we often say you have that gut instinct is where your instinct comes from. And so you think about it's coming from your guts. I mean, we have this whole gut brain and that's another conversation other to talk podcast. about. Our little yep. microbiome and our neurons in our intestines. But that intuition that we get, that gut feeling, that gut knowing, it's like it's a muscle and you got to train it to be able to know it. 
So the more that you learn to trust that intuition, you have that little spark. You're walking down the street. Something as basic as should I turn left or should I turn right? Both of them will take you to your destination, but which way do you take? Rather than just going aimlessly, ask your gut that question and mm -hmm. follow what it says. And soon you're gonna find that your intuition takes you to some places you never thought you would end up, but are absolutely beautiful at the end of the day. I do that when I cook food, when I grab a shaker of seasoning, you gotta spice, cumin, whatever, adding some cumin to the soup. You shake, shake, shake the shaker. At some point, your spices are all like clogged up in the shaker and they don't shake anymore. Well, that is like the universe saying, that's enough cumin. Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. that's as much as you needed for that recipe. Those little signs. That little intuition yes. there. Um, you just gotta kinda know know a story behind something, kind of put yourself in that place. When I cook Indian food and I have no Indian lineage and I have no culinary training in Indian food, I just kind of imagine I'm this wonderful Indian grandmother. That's and amazing. somewhere deep down, maybe there is, like in my distant lineage, there is an Indian grandmother because Indian food just has this different connection it to really me. Does. Mm -hmm. You tap mm -hmm. into this intuition with it and how you feel what feels right with this. Do you feel like it needs one shake or two? Should you cut your vegetables this way or that? It just is something to, to play with and to try, but it's something that you have to constantly be working at. It's like a muscle. You gotta work mm -hmm. it out. If you just think you're just gonna have it one day, it doesn't really work that way. I sure wasn't born with culinary intuition. I didn't just know my food. I had to learn my food from a lot of different mistakes. And then once you, once you train that muscle though, that intuition muscle, then you just and, follow that and, and it you takes can, you into cool places. Yeah, and you can incorporate it then in other parts of your life. Yeah. Yes. I, I love talking about that with people because I, I remember having a conversation with a client once about going into the grocery store and she's, and I'm sure you've had this same conversation with your clients about shopping for beauty products. It's like she goes in and she's immediately overwhelmed. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get you to the point where you walk in the grocery store and you go straight to the produce and you let your gut tell you what you're gonna eat for the next few days. And she was like, that exists? Yes, that's how I grocery shop and it's really special. And you don't have to think because you're just going by what your body is telling you it wants to eat. Of course, then there's, you know, people are gonna say, well, what if my body leads me to the, <laughs> the dairy section load up on black forest cake or whatever, but you know, that there's other layers of that. Intuition is not necessarily that, desire. Exactly. It's a different thing, desire mm -hmm. or craving. And learning the difference between those is that muscle you gotta, you gotta yeah, hone. Totally. So it's all, yeah, again, about getting conscious. All right, well, that was fantastic, and I'm super hungry. So I am super hungry. <laughs> Hopefully everyone uh, listening is cooking. Oh, we should, yeah, everyone can cook dinner as they listen to this podcast. I think that's ideal. That would be super ideal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You need music. You need wiggles in your steps to make that happen. <laughs> it's true. Thank you so much for coming, Scott, and chatting with us. That was super fantastic. You're very inspiring. All the love. Thank you. Thank you. So remember, the answers are all inside of you. If you, you just, just shut up and listen. listen.